Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision and our brand new season, The FinTech Fuse. This is Theo, your host for this episode. Today, I'm super honored to welcome Emma Kisby to join us on the show. Emma is the CEO of Kogo, a global climate fintech that works with 20, or maybe even more now, of the world's leading banks to integrate and automate carbon footprinting into everyday banking apps for millions of customers. Um, welcome to the show, Emma. Hey, thank you so much. That was a great introduction. <laughs> I, I think I copied it from your LinkedIn profile somewhere. But your work is inspiring. I think, you know, right before we started um, recording, I, I must confess, I've been following you guys and stalking you for a while. Every time when I saw you like won an award, I think recently you won another one, the Banking Tech Awards. I'm like, yes, we need more of you. Um, so let's rewind a little bit. You've done a lot of work um, professionally with different brands over the years. Tell us a little bit more about how that leads to Kogo, which I think is a B Corp, right? I love B Corps. Yeah, thank you. So um, my personal journey in this is that my commercial, well, my commercial background or my career background has been in commercializing customer data. So essentially what that has been doing is working with big corporates and helping them to analyze customer data, spending information, and then using those insights to actually just help people buy more stuff, helping, yeah, encouraging people to buy more stuff. Uh, I worked with the grocery sector, and uh, in one particular business I worked with, we drove about 100 million to their bottom line. It showed me quite how powerful data and analytics is. Um, I did a stint working at Virgin, and Virgin was very focused on really putting purpose at the heart of business. So there was kind of an intersection in my life where I started to think about my purpose and my passion and the kind of power of data. And then those together kind of really thinking about using data for good. And at that point, I met Ben Gleisner. Ben is the founder of Kogo. He's just an amazing guy. He worked for the United Nations. He put the, um, uh, the living standards for, uh, into the New Zealand, uh, working with New Zealand government. And he was on a real mission about how do you connect goods? So how do you help people understand the impact of their spend? And at that time, um, open banking was coming into the UK. So there was a real opportunity to get access and get people to opt into sharing their data. And we wanted to then match that with impact data. So carbon emission data or living wage data, and then use that information to really bring transparency to people spending and help people to make informed decision about how they're spending, where they're spending, and make choices aligned to their values. And I suppose the values piece is, is really important. So, you know, one, we can talk the talk and we can create tools, but we also need to walk the walk. And that was an important part of us being a B Corp. Uh, we live our values in terms of we have a uh, positive gender pay gap, which doesn't mean I get paid too much. You know, we we really try and make sure that we have equality in the workplace. Um, and so that was an important part of the journey. So, uh, yeah, we're a value driven, purpose driven, really committed, passionate, wonderful group of kind of climate activists who activists is the wrong word, climate lovers who are desperate to find solutions to save the planet. I love that climate lovers. All right, I might stop borrowing that. Um, I I just love your passion, and it shows. 
um, <clears throat> every time when you speak in a conference or, you know, when something happens, when you're talking about a new report that you release or data, it, it just shows, and you're very right. It shows the power of data, it shows our collective ability to do good. And um, climate is, oh, complex, urgent, and it should not be divisive, but yet divisive topic. Uh, I'm curious to hear from you, how has that conversation shifted through the recent years, especially in financial services industry? Because many of the institutions are now required or will be required to report what they're doing. Um, do you see any differences amongst um, regions, for example? Yeah, I think um, to start by just reflecting on how um, I've seen kind of financial institutions in this area really change and then kind of reflect on regions. Four years ago, when we started to work alongside banks and really think about how we could collaborate to kind of surface our carbon footprint feature within the mobile banking experience, I think then it was kind of seen as a little bit of a nice to have a kind of thing off the side of the desk. You know, we do a bit of recycling, you know, that that's our kind of CSE agenda. And as you say, it's really moved and it's really shifted for the financial institutions themselves in terms of the regulations reporting. TCFD have brought in the real need to improve and increase the climate related financial information. And it's now a key part of, of banks' plans, uh, financial institutions' plans, um, and it really impacts the way that they operate. But kind of the second area then that impacts is employers themselves. So again, four years ago, we were having conversations where, if I'm honest, People didn't really understand the terminology we use. What scope three, I don't know what that is. Indirect, direct emissions, carbon positive, carbon neutral. As you say, there's a lot of jargon. And how do you simplify it? And a lot of people we spoke to would say, look, this isn't my job. You know, I, I'm a banker or I work in digital properties. I don't know what you're talking about. I had one very senior executive who I have huge respect for. After a meeting we had, uh, they messaged me and said, look, I have to be honest, I'm way up my depth. Could you send me some reading material? some information that would help. And what I've seen now move forward four years is there has been a huge amount of investment in upskilling key people. You know, a lot of the um, financial institutions we work with send their employees on, you know, things like um, sustainability management courses or degrees at Cambridge, or whatever that might be to really upskill. And so the conversations we're now having, people are so much better equipped and we also work hard to make sure we're de-jargoning what we're talking about because it does get quite complex quite quickly. And actually, a lot of it when you sit back is common sense, but it's making sure we're all talking in language that everyone understands. So I think the employees, the financial institutions themselves. But the other thing that I'll say is as consumers, we as consumers are much more aware of the fact that we can have a positive impact on the climate. So. We've heard nearly a quarter of customers say that they'll switch their banks if their bank isn't doing enough around ESG. Uh, we see that when we've done pilots with banks, we've given people carbon footprint features, the NPS improves, and, and also notably in a younger cohort. Consumers, we as individuals, need help to address the climate concerns, and we all feel very helpless. You know, this issue feels very big, we feel very small. So we've really seen that consumer demand, employee upskilling, financial institutions having to report and regulate means that the conversation, the narrative has gone from a, hey, this is a nice to have to what do we need to do? That action is really important. Banks play a pivotal role uh, in terms of transitioning us faster to a net zero society.
Um, the kind of the thing you asked around regions, we're definitely seeing that in Europe and APAC are kind of more open to climate initiatives, to trialing things. You talked about in that West, they launched out with uh, Carbon Tracker for COP26, trying different different initiatives. I think North America and the MENA area, two large markets, have huge potential to make a difference, are slightly lagging behind. Um, but we are seeing overall that there is more and more urgency to actually do something. I, I laughed um, when you were talking about jargon because that's how I feel like when people start throwing terms around, right? Like ESG, for example, if you break it down, it's about risk management. It's about how do we make sure that we look at external factors that might impact our viability as a business and what do we do about it? And <clears throat> you can't change the fact that, you know, for example, there are more and more um, severe climate events that are happening that are impacting different regions. So the question is, what do we do about it? Instead of keep digging a hole and say, no, this is, this is, we don't believe in it. Oh, we can't do anything about it. And you're very, very right. Financial institutions do have a huge role that they can play to help us move to net zero, to, to help us move the needle. Um, the question is not so much so whether or not they can do something is whether or not they are willing to do something and when. Um, I do hope we'll see a little bit more urgency, especially in this side of the pond. Um, we do have immense spending power, I think, <laughs> before we completely go broke. Um, now, it is often said that SMEs are the backbone of the economy. I think both UK and the US, um, small businesses, they are over, what, 99% of the businesses in the economy. So what role should they play? I'm curious to hear from you in trying to combat the climate crisis and how can banks help? Because oftentimes we do hear people that said, well, you know, we're a small business, we don't have the resources, we don't quite know exactly what to do. What can they do? Well, Theodore, you kind of sum it up. The opportunity in terms of SMEs or small, medium businesses or enterprises um, having a role to play in terms of addressing the climate crisis is huge. You know, they do make over, up over 90% of the business population. And here in the UK, they have the opportunity to reduce our, um, our national emissions by 50%. We know that SMEs have a huge role to play, but equally, they're not always focused on the climate. You know, as you say, there's, it's really challenging running a small business. We're, we're quite a relatively small business and it's hard work. You know, you're always time poor. Um, there's huge amounts of stress, the cost of living crisis, all the costs are going up. You know, there's other things to worry about. So really, probably one of the last things you're thinking about is carbon reporting. Again, regulations and uh, the need to report mean that quite often some of the SMEs are caught in supply chains. So there is a real need there that suddenly procurement will come in and say, listen, what is your carbon footprint? And SMEs are like, wow, I have no idea. So they need tools to help make it accessible and understandable and take the complexity out. And this is where the banks can come in. You know, your spending information is a really good proxy as a small business in terms of the initial look at what your carbon emissions are. And then there's additional information that you'll need around your activity to enhance that. Now, banks and accountancy providers, you know, they have this information where they already support small businesses. And it really is about bringing that carbon reporting to the fore through tools, 
um, like ours, like spend-based carbon reporting or county-based carbon reporting to really help those small businesses to both measure and manage their carbon emissions. And the other thing is, is that quite often there are cost savings that can be made by businesses by being more efficient with the way that they operate and reducing their carbon footprint, where they also benefit from cost savings. But sometimes they need some upfront funding. So in that respect, the banks have an opportunity to really help the financing. And that also helps the banks out because the banks are obviously there's exposure around their scope three and they're thinking about their finance emissions and the climate related risks. So it works for the banks, too. So it is a win win. But it just is about making it very simple for SMEs to engage and to understand and then use that going forward. Do you see any um, anything that gives you hope in that particular area? Because when, when you mentioned the word cost of living crisis, and and I feel it. Um, recently, we were just talking about amongst friends, and uh, <clears throat> every single Uber ride I've taken, every single taxi ride I've taken, that's all people talk about is inflation, inflation. Everything's just so expensive. How do they, you know, survive? Literally as small business owners, solo entrepreneurs, and, and all of that, I, I do feel, I think oftentimes it's not so much so individuals don't want to do something, is you use that word, hopeless, and that's exactly how I feel sometimes. How do you give people hope? Well, what we do is we look at helping people to understand the impact of their actions. So by taking climate actions, you can not only see a reduction in your carbon emissions, which then feels good, right? Because you as an individual might feel quite small, but then as a collective, if I do it, everyone in my street does it, you know, everyone in my kids' school do it, suddenly there's a collective impact, you know, and that becomes more powerful and you start feeling a little bit less helpless. But small actions feel not that they're making a big impact, but they do make an impact. And equally, it's about, you know, macroeconomics, it's about supply and demand. So the more people are behaving in a certain way or, you know, transitioning to green energy or, choosing public transport, it signals to the market that people are, are moving their money in the right direction and we should invest more in those areas. So it is important that um, we help both individuals, small businesses, us all to understand the impact of our spend so we can make conscious decisions. It's about conscious consumerism. And by doing that, we can signal the demand and then encourage the economy to move that way. I see lots of really exciting businesses and you know what, what gives me hope is as part we talk a lot about the climate crisis but businesses like ours are coming up with ways that we can help solve it and there is a lot of amazing businesses capitalizing on things like the circular economy and you know my son has bought some swim shorts recently and, and they grow with him and you can send them back and they add bits of material onto these swim shorts and I thought, what a great way rather than just continually Buying new clothes. So there's lots of things that are really exciting, very creative, and, and does give me hope. And the more transparency we can bring into the impact of people's behaviors, people's spend, we can all make more conscious decisions. I like that example. I never heard of it. I should look I should look it up because I remember when the kids were little. Um, we bought a set of cribs that grow with the children. You can convert it from a little crib for babies yeah. to something that has braille for, you know, when they're toddlers to 
like literally a double size bed, which is what they're sleeping in now. It's the same set of bed, which is amazing because I don't want to throw out two crypts. You know, what, what do you do with that? So I should look into the clothing because God knows these kids grow like trees. Um, so I want to ask you, one of the products that you, you guys have is, is carbon tracking, which was what attracted me to, to go look up what you guys are doing. How do you see the future of carbon tracking and green finance evolve? Um, and what gets you most excited? I'm quite an excitable person, so I, I love. <laughs> I did hear that. <laughs> I love all the innovation I'm seeing. I think in terms of carbon tracking, when we started with carbon tracking, we were really looking to address some key areas in terms of uh, carbon literacy. People really don't understand kind of you know the impact of their spend. So how can we help people understand that? We were looking to address the intention action gap. You know, people have great intentions, but they don't always then act because you can't see the consequences of your spend and you can't then get that feedback. We've seen some amazing customer engagement. You know, we reported a while ago now that NatWest have over half a million um, customers. It's gone up a lot since then and, and those numbers have become public. It's really exciting to see people engaging with a carbon tracker and, and for a lot of the banks that we work with, whether that's a customer or an SME, that is a really positive engagement, which, you know, takes away from a transaction. But what I get really excited about is kind of going back to my old background and what we talked about at the start is the opportunity is how then banks can use that data and insight to really help motivate and mobilize both individuals and small businesses to transition, you know, to take green action, to get the right funding to help them, whether that's from solar panels or um, whether that is a home retrofit, you know, these are big commitments. You know, buying an AEV, it's an expensive commitment. The banks can help. And there's a really exciting opportunity to think about how we can use financial products to support people, but also then encourage and recognize and reward those behaviors. You know, preferential rates on mortgages or better rates on credit cards or, you know, these kind of areas become very exciting. So it's marrying up the data and the insights and the ambition and, and really targeting products around that and helping consumers and individuals and small businesses to feel really good about themselves, about these behaviors they're taking to save the planet. Incentives, 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 right? It works both ways. Um, so before I let you go, what's next for Kogo? Conquering the world. <laughs> I would like to say saving the world, Theodora. <laughs> okay, I like that too. I like that too. Um, we have an ambition to reach over 100 million customers with our proposition. We've seen the power that we can deliver uh, to banks. As you said, we're working with 20 banks. And I think it's seven or eight different countries now. And we're seeing it consistently work. And uh, I love the fact that I can see the carbon tracking proposition in Hungarian. We recently uh, launched out with the Bank of China. We've got it in Dutch. We've got it in English. You know, it's it's fascinating to see it in different markets. And and I, I would love us to be able to continue to work with more and more banks globally to extend our proposition. And we know that some markets are more challenging than others, and some people are more ready. But um, it's about getting access to that information. So a big ambition for us is to get to 100 million. We've also started dipping our toes in working with other industries. So we've just started working with a couple of grocery retailers about how we can help, again, address that carbon literacy issue in terms of how do you understand the impact of your shopping basket? 
um, you know, how, where are the areas that you can reduce your carbon emissions and really think about going down that next level into, into your everyday shopping behavior. So I'm just excited. The power of data and insights is so strong. You know, we see it every day, whether we realize it or not, from going online and pop-up adverts coming up or the targeted email you get sent telling you to, to buy more stuff. Everything's targeted and everything. And all that power, and there's such an opportunity to use that, harness that to also save the planet. Um, and ultimately, we hope to be the world's first gigacore, and that is around helping remove a gigaton of carbon emissions from the atmosphere every year. That would be our ambition. I love that. And thanks for giving us hope um, on a daily basis, literally. For those of you who are not following Kogo nor Emma, please do so on LinkedIn. Um, it's one of those bright spots in social media that actually gives me hope that there are actual humans that are trying to use technology to do good. So thank you so much for what you do and for your team. And um, thank you so much for spending time with me today and uh, share you know, your insights with our audience, Emma. Thank you, Theodora. I would say it does feel good doing good. So if you've ever, if you're thinking about a career change or, or, or struggling along in a business like ours where you know, it, uh, it can feel challenging sometimes, it, it does make a difference. And uh, as I said, it does feel good for the soul. And it takes the village. So let's keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Emma. And for the rest of our audience, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We'll talk to you all next week.